singers and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to What's New. We move on today to verses 36 through 46 of Matthew chapter 26. In these verses, Matthew gives us some additional information concerning the events that took place between the time Jesus and his disciples left the upper room and his arrest by the chief priests and elders in the garden. Here is what Matthew writes. Then Jesus brought them to a garden grove called Gethsemane and told them to sit down and wait while he went on ahead and prayed. He took Peter with him and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and began to be filled with anguish and despair. Then he told them, My soul is crushed with sorrow and sadness to the point of death. Stay here, stay awake with me. He went forward a little and fell face downward on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken away from me, but I want your will, not mine. Then he returned to the three disciples and found them asleep. Peter, he called, couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. For the spirit indeed is willing, but how weak the body is. Again he left them and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot go away until I drink it all, your will be done. He returned to them again and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So he went back to pray the third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Sleep on now and take your rest. But no, the time has come. I am betrayed into the hands of evil men. Up, let's be going. Look, here comes a man who is to betray me. Be still and Now, here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Horder. They were on the western slope of the Mount of Olives by an enclosure called Gethsemane, just across the Kidron Valley from the temple. There were olive trees. It must have been a favorite spot for Jesus and his disciples. 
Soon Jesus would be betrayed and arrested. That time was very close. He knew what was about to happen. His eleven disciples were there with him, but he took three of them aside, perhaps into the enclosure. He wanted to pray. Peter, James, and John were chosen to accompany Jesus. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter? Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes the betrayer. That's Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. I want to focus first on the fact of the extreme sorrow of Jesus. His suffering in Gethsemane was intense. We will never fully understand just how intense. Why such agony and suffering? True, he knew that he would be crucified. But would that knowledge alone cause such sorrow and suffering? Many Christians since Jesus' death have been executed, some by fire or by the sword. Some have been torn by wild animals in the arenas. Some died by hanging and other tortures some by bullets, and some like Jesus by crucifixion. Many Christians, perhaps most, died valiant deaths without fear. Why this deep sorrow and pre-crucifixion suffering on the part of Jesus? Jesus seems to suffer more than any man. I want to suggest several points. First, every martyr since Jesus had Jesus' death and resurrection before him. So it isn't the same. We have Jesus who went before. He didn't die a martyr. It isn't a fair comparison, the death of Jesus and the death of future martyrs. Second, Jesus alone knew what sin was and what dying because of sin for every person meant. It's one thing to die the death of a martyr, but something totally different to die the death of a Savior. To face the prospect of taking the sin of every human upon himself and to bear the total punishment was frightening, even to Jesus. No martyr can ever begin to understand what such a death was. No doubt by the cup Jesus was referring to his death. I'm sure that the prospect of death only, even dying by crucifixion, 
would not have created the suffering and sorrow on the part of Jesus, but to bear the sins of every human who ever lived and will live, and to be punished for them all, was a prospect none of us can understand. God laid all the sin on Christ, and that was an awful prospect. Perhaps that's why Jesus said, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Perhaps there might be an alternative, another way to sin-bearing, but the cross was unavoidable. I suggest another reason why Jesus' intense agony in Gethsemane. Perhaps what caused the greatest suffering of all was the prospect of being forsaken by God the Father. It was on the cross where Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This too no human can understand. But this was required for Jesus to become our sin-bearer. It was the Father's will. Adam and Eve had said, Not your will, but ours be done. Jesus prayed, Not mine, but yours, Father. Fourth, there are many things about this whole event that God hasn't seen fit to reveal to us. There are those who suggest that Jesus, after he died, actually went to hell to experience the full punishment for sin. Sin's greatest triumph is death followed by hell. If Jesus experienced the full punishment for man's sin, then it might have included hell. Perhaps this too in part contributed to the intense suffering of the Son of God in the Garden of Gethsemane, especially if he should not be raised. Although Jesus knew that God would not leave his soul in hell, nor would his body see corruption or physical disintegration. Whatever the reasons, Jesus agonized over the prospect of the cross and all that it meant. Matthew began his gospel with the purpose for which Jesus came. He came to save his people from their sins, chapter 121. And the cross was the central focus of this purpose. Just as the cross was unavoidable in order for Jesus to give each of us his life, so the cross is unavoidable for each of us to receive it. There is no alternative to sin-bearing, no alternative to receiving Christ's life. There is no other way. There is no easier way. Without losing it, why can't I grow without pain? Why can't I live for you, Lord, without dying? There must be an easier way. There was no easier way for you. There was no easier thing.
What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.